Hello, everyone. Uh, welcome to episode two of the Cryptoversity podcast. Uh, I'm here with Mike, uh, and we're honoured to be to be joined today by a very special guest, Luke Garrett, calling in from New York. How are you doing, Luke? Hello. Thanks you. Thank you for uh, inviting me. It's our absolute pleasure, man. So today, as promised in the last episode, today the aim was to cover Bitcoin primarily, being the kind of flagship crypto. It's the most famous one, the most common one. As we said before, Mike and I are the undergraduates of the Cryptoversity. So we need a lecturer. We need a teacher to come in and, and tell us what's going on. Uh, and that's what Luke is here for. So Mike... You invited Luke on. Do you want to take the reins? Luke, great to have you on the show, Dr. Dr. Luke. Um, and thank you for appearing. I, I guess to take a step back and kind of go through how we met and give the listeners a bit of our, our journey. I've known Luke for the past year. I headhunted him when he was working at Citrix and placed him over at Zoom. Uh, Zoom had some security challenges at the end of 2020, having grown as quickly as they had. So we were contacted by the leadership team at Zoom to ask us to find a unicorn candidate, a kind of one in a million candidate that was a security security engineer, but that had an academic background in applied cryptography. We were told this was like a super niche search. We were never going to be able to find somebody, really rare candidate. I, through a bit of luck, stumbled across Luke's profile and immediately was just blown away. And yeah, the rest is history. Helped him get the job there. And then we've kind of stayed in touch and, and stayed friends since. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, quite an introduction. I wouldn't say I was a, <laughs> a unicorn, but uh, thanks very much. Yeah, I'll... Uh... I'll try to uh, try to make a good account of myself, despite the uh, incredible introduction you've just given me there. So, uh, <laughs> that honestly was the watered down introduction. When I told Jack about you, I basically was like, "Look, this guy is a genius. He kind really of invented not, like... cryptography." <laughs> There's a lot of pressure here, Luke. There is a no, lot. Of yeah, no pressure. He was a good recruiter. He was really like selling me to, uh, <laughs> to Zoom. Probably, he probably got me the job of that. Yeah. So you have a master's from Oxford and then a PhD from Oxford in applied cryptography. You a lecturer at Oxford and kind of created an undergraduate course on cryptography? Yeah, I mean, so I, th I think crypto is very like, uh, it seems very niche and complicated, but um, I think like all things, like it seems really complicated from the outside, but then once we actually like learn about it, you're like, oh, it's not actually that mysterious, you know, like, for like, I, you know, I think like AI is very interesting, but I don't know, because I don't, I, don't I don't really know anything about it, <laughs> right. but I'm sure if you learned about it, you're probably like, oh, it's actually not that complicated, you know? So I, I could definitely see how like crypto seems very sort of like impenetrable from the outside. And I definitely make my resume look, try to look impressive, but like, I really don't think of it as that impressive to be honest with you. <laughs> but, uh, and I really don't think you guys are to blame for not knowing about crypto because like a lot of the explanations about it, like that I've read in papers like for, for, for the layman, like in the newspapers or whatever, they tend to be really like terrible explanations that don't really explain anything about how blockchains work or whatever. So I really don't blame anyone for not for not knowing about it or thinking it's complicated because I think a lot of people try to um, try to make it seem complicated to make themselves seem like smarter or to sell you something. Hopefully, I can try to like explain it in like a pretty simple terms so anyone can understand. Then you might wonder like why why is it such a big deal? So <laughs> be great for us. The simpler yeah. the better. Like, simpler yeah. The better. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, modest and genius, Mike. He is a unicorn. Oh yeah, sure. Right. <laughs> Your your PhD in 
when you're at Oxford, take a look at it. The thesis being realistic, strong, and provable key exchange security. I mean, even a kind of smooth-brained ape like me can see that that has a kind of thematic relationship with blockchain, crypto, sort of with that world. Was that, were you into, were you in quote unquote into crypto before you pursued the PhD? Or was that sort of, was that a precursor to it? Or how did it kind of knit yeah, together? Not at all, really. Like my undergrad was in economics, weirdly, which just turns out would be quite useful for crypto if I don't work in. But my undergrad was in economics and my master's was in maths. And I was actually applying for like graph theory PhDs, which had nothing to do with crypto at all, really. But then someone at Oxford was like, hey, do you want to apply for this crypto PhD? I thought, oh, that'd be cool. And so my PhD isn't really about like blockchains per se. It's about like end-to-end yeah. -end encryption of how like WhatsApp works and iMessage and Signal, which is like how you like encrypt messages so that no one can sort of read them, which is pretty useful if you live in like, you know, Russia or China or somewhere where the government might try to, you know, spy on you. Um, but yeah, a lot of the same sort of cryptographic like techniques end up being used in like cryptocurrencies and whatnot. So it definitely, it's definitely possible to like, transition the skills from, from one to the other. Yeah. Well, I think that's a really interesting point, Luke, as to what the difference is between cryptography or the relationship between cryptography and cryptocurrency because yeah. you, you said it yourself there like you're a cryptographer but you don't work in crypto what's the difference between them yeah it's, it's interesting really because a lot of cryptographers sort of don't like associating with blockchain <laughs> they kind of like uh they kind of uh yeah i think like um a crypt crypto is all about I mean, crypto would be referring to cryptocurrency, right? It's about how like you use cryptographic techniques to create your own sort of currency, like Bitcoin or Ethereum or Monero or whatever. But cryptography itself is a lot more broad than that, right? It could be about end-to-end -end encryption, or it could be about like cryptocurrency, or it could be about like, you know, oblivious transfer protocols or hardware security modules, or like, you know, how make secure computations, multi-party computations it's like super broad what crypto could like uh refer to um it's quite strange actually how like the word crypto like it's sort of been taken and now everyone thinks of cryptocurrency but like wasn't it wasn't always like that right yeah. i guess that leads into another question i have of is cryptography used across all of those different tokens outside of just bitcoin is that kind of where the crypto within cryptocurrency comes from yeah i mean it's pretty hard to define what a blockchain is sometimes it's like a lot of marketing <laughs> it's like what well, you can call whatever you want a blockchain sometimes with some of these companies yeah generally it's like uh, like bitcoin for example it uses like a hash function which is a cryptographic thing it uses digital signatures which you know again is like cryptography like public private key crypto and so i guess a blockchain is like when you combine a bunch of cryptographic primitives in such a way that like blocks are sort of chained together um that would be sort of how you'd compose the the crypto um yeah i'm not sorry i can't remember what your question was actually <laughs> it was just so it, firstly i want to go back on that and i want you to dumb it down yeah. a little bit for for me yeah. to fully understand it but i, I guess I, what i'm asking is is cryptography used across all of these different tokens? Like, is that one of yeah. the underlying pieces of technology or principles of, of the tokenized space? Or is, is that blockchain and kind of what the difference between the two is, cryptography and blockchain? Yeah, I think it depends what you call a blockchain, really. But I mean, generally, they, they all sort of involve some sort of crypto. Like, uh, they all at least involve like hash functions, I would, I would say. 
um, hashing one block to the next. I mean, I, I'm happy to explain how a Bitcoin yeah. works if you want. Like, well, yeah, definitely, yeah. <laughs> there's not really like an explanation anywhere, like for the labor of how Bitcoin or blockchains work. A lot of it is sort of business people like exaggerating, <laughs> you know, like how how incredible it is. Like it's a blockchain revolution and it's amazing technology, but um, it's really not that complicated so like a blockchain is like it's it's a database that's that's all it is it's just a database right and in bitcoin basically to have a bitcoin means that at a particular address that's like associated with some currency right and if i wanted to pay mike a bitcoin i would sign a transaction using like cryptography so you can make signatures kind of like how you write down on pen and paper how to you know how you can sign stuff you can do the same with crypto. So you can you can make a signature which only you could have made and then everyone else can verify your signature. So if I want to pay Mike a Bitcoin, I can do that, I can sign it, and then that goes onto the Bit on, onto the blockchain like ledger. Uh, and then the problem is in Bitcoin, it's like decentralized, right? So there's no like source of truth. So the problem is is that if Mike thinks I've paid him a Bitcoin and Jack also thinks I've paid him a Bitcoin, and I only have one Bitcoin. That's like that's, that's a double spend problem, right? Um, I can't spend the same Bitcoin twice, and because there's not like a central like database which shows like a central authority which shows where Luke spent his Bitcoin, there needs to be some way of everybody like reaching consensus. And so basically, the blockchain is like how how that happens, right? So to stop me spending the same Bitcoin twice, what happens is rather than having a central authority, which would basically control the bank and what transactions can happen and which ones can't. Because Bitcoin is decentralized, there has to be certain trade-offs. So what happens is everybody pretty much has a copy of the blockchain, which lists every transaction from everyone. And then everybody is basically constantly messaging each other to agree on what they think the copy of the blockchain is, right? And so if we all agree on what the database is, then we can say, okay, Luke paid Mike with his Bitcoin. He didn't pay Jack, right? And so Bitcoin has these um, people called like, or machines called miners. And basically miners, they, they, do the, they do the Bitcoin mining. So they look at all the transactions which like happen. And they're basically the ones that say, okay, this is what the blockchain looks like, everyone. And then they mine a new block. The way they mine is that they take the current blockchain and then they look for like a... Um, a number like a guess and then they hash the blockchain and a guess and if that hash ends up wait equally, Luke, sorry to interrupt you yeah Can you, but what, what does that mean if you so if they hash the blockchain yeah right so yeah that's so it's a lot of terms there so like hashing is basically like applying a function um like a one-way function so like it could be something like uh take a number, like square it, take the logarithm base two, take the third and fourth digits, multiply those together. And that's the hash, right? It's like a really complicated kind of operation. Okay. And the only property that really matters for Bitcoin is that it's, it's one way. So given an output, you can't figure out what the input is. And also you can't really guess in advance what the hash of something is going to be. You just have to kind of hash it to figure it out, right? So like, I'd have no idea what the hash of seven is. I have to just like compute it, right? And so mining works by taking the current blockchain and taking a guess and then combining those two things and then hashing it. And if that number equals something very, very small with lots of zeros at the beginning, then that, that count 
that that's like the solution to the to the hashing problem. So in, in the in the Bitcoin white paper, it's like one CPU core is one vote kind of because you just have to kind of keep guessing these guesses until you eventually like strike gold. The well, and what's a CPU core, Luke? And and obviously I yeah. fully understand everything you're saying word for word, but I know <laughs> yeah. there's some of our listeners out there that maybe yeah. wouldn't. Um, yeah, I but... mean I, I understand like there's a bunch of like terms there which are a bit difficult, but the, the general idea, yeah, CPU core is basically just like your computer, right? It has to keep guessing these guesses to hash the blockchain and a guess. It just has to kind of brute force yeah. do that, right? And then the miner which discovers the correct guess gets to say, okay, these are the new transactions on the blockchain and that becomes the next block. And then the miners go, go to work on the next block and they, the blockchain just gets bigger and bigger and bigger of all these guesses. And that's kind of how you like add a transaction to the blockchain, right? Because it's difficult to do this proof of work, you know, by hashing stuff. It's expensive because it, you know, it costs energy. So basically what happens is I make a transaction, I sign a digital transaction from me to Mike, I give it to the world, a bunch of miners see it, say I tried to double spend, say, say I paid Mike my one Bitcoin, but then I also tried to give it to Jack, then I can't do that twice, right, if I only have one Bitcoin. So the miner that solves this like puzzle first and sees whichever transaction they see from me, say, say they see me paying Mike, that's the one that actually counts and gets added to the to the blockchain, right? In practice, like your, your transaction has to be buried, like I think like five or six blocks deep before it's like official. But that's pretty much how it how it works. Just going quickly back to your PhD, and I promise the last time I mentioned you, <laughs> yeah, creepy sure. stalking your history of PhD. Yeah, I've um, got to read it. Yeah, yeah. Correct, correct me if I'm wrong, but you it was a lot on um, post compromise security. So in terms of so a WhatsApp group. It's become compromised, but the people in that group can apply some security. So it's post-compromised, so the group's safe again, right? So if, going to, to what you're just saying there with the blockchain, if you did if you did pay Mike, but also paid me a Bitcoin, what happens if the payment to me get... Like, do I get that Bitcoin before it goes however many layers deep? Or do you have to wait until yeah, the layers so- are there for me to receive it or for Mike to receive it? Yeah, that's the, the whole point is like, it's a huge pain in the ass that you don't have a central bank which says where my Bitcoin is gone, right? So the whole reason you do this, all this like, everybody's got a copy of the blockchain. Yeah. Everybody's mining, everybody's constantly trying to agree on what the blockchain looks like. So that's a huge like trade-off to have this, to not have a central party where you just say where my transaction went. And so, yeah, the, the miners that see my transaction to you and are the ones that are successful, the first ones to mine the next block, they're the ones that get to vote and say, okay, this is what Luke actually did, right? And so if I paid Mike and then some miners saw that, but they, they weren't the ones that were able to like mine the next block, then that transaction doesn't count. And so after my transaction to you is like buried about five or six blocks deep, then everybody pretty much agrees at that point, okay, this is what the blockchain looks like. Luke's transaction has been buried like six blocks deep. So this Bitcoin has almost definitely left his wallet and gone to Jack's wallet. Does that make right. sense? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but when you say everyone has a copy of the blockchain, do you mean just the miners do or everyone who owns a Bitcoin has one? Yeah, I mean, it, it, yeah, I think in practice, it's just the just the miners. Um, there is some like optimizations where like you can have, you can sort of, uh, have like Merkle trees or whatever to sort of, you don't need the, the full copy of the blockchain. But at a conceptual level, it's basically like we have to replicate this database, the blockchain over and over and over again 
and then mm. you constantly have to agree on like some people have to agree on what it looks like uh, in order for payments to happen so yeah it's like it's a huge amount of trade-offs just to have the decentralized currency yeah. right it's interesting here you speak about it in a frame of it's a trade-off and it's a, a ball ache or a problem because like yeah. you're saying that the salesmen in the space say it's the best yeah. thing ever there's no exactly. issues with it yeah and you know that's my real gripe with blockchain is that like i've seen so many like crazy companies that inexplicably like make money by saying they're using the blockchain like there was a there was a company called prodium which i think is also like a urinary urinal tract infection medicine chain there are sponsors them. <laughs> yeah, yes. <sure>. <laughs> <laughs> but they were, they were going to say how they're going to use blockchain to like track their bananas on their supply chain right which like it doesn't make any sense because like it like a blockchain is like a really bad database like it's super inefficient right like you'd only use a blockchain if you have to if you don't have a central like authority so like why would a company need to use one? Why not just because they, they trust themselves? So if they want to track their own supply line, they would just have a regular database, right? Be way more efficient. And like if you're going to add something to a blockchain in real life, you have to like trust someone at some point. So, so, so your bananas get delivered somewhere and then you add that to a blockchain, like you're still trusting someone to put that information in the blockchain. So it's it's still pretty centralized right and what happened to prodium is that like everyone started buying their coin because for some reason they had like banana coin or whatever coin it was right people started buying these coins and then overnight the website just disappeared and they left like a one word on the website just said penis and they just disappeared forever yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know like and there's tons of examples like that you know there's just like there's like a blockchain university for some reason they have a university and there's a blockchain and they have to they have their own currency I guess you know, the idea, the idea yeah. behind a company having a blockchain kind of completely obliterates yeah. the point of having one because you're the whole point is it's decentralized. There can be no company. There's yeah. no Bitcoin exactly. ink, is there? Yeah, yeah I mean, exactly. There was, a, there was one company called uh, block, uh, Long Island Ice Tea Blockchain. And like it had nothing to do with blockchain. It, you know, it's literally Long Island Ice Tea. But because they had the word blockchain in the name, their evaluation like skyrocketed, right? Yeah. Like Kodak, yeah, yeah. the camera company, they said um, you know, their stock has been falling for, for years, right? After, you know, new cameras come out and phone cameras and stuff. But they, they made an announcement, not really saying anything. They just said, oh, we're going to look into blockchain to do something. And their stock tripled overnight. <laughs> it's wow. like, it's absolute insanity. Like, it's like... I guess it's echoes of the dot-com bubble when everyone just put www dot in front of their name. The company yeah, name, right? And if they didn't even have com. a website, yeah. Yeah, and I think there are a lot of people who have like incentives to make it seem really complicated and like really like cutting edge in order to like sell stuff. So like it, it's it's a really strange situation we're in. Yeah, but I think I think blockchain has applications in like cryptocurrency. That's very niche, right? Because everything is virtual. There is no like physical Bitcoin, and it really does have to be decentralized. No one owns Bitcoin. So if you have those two properties, it kind of makes sense. But yeah, like you say, like a company, it's hard to imagine why they would need one, kind of. Um, so I, Luke, I, I want to go back just briefly to that walkthrough of how the blockchain works. Can I kind of explain back to you what I heard and then you tell yeah. me where, yeah. <laughs> where I'm wrong yeah. and then jump in with the, the, the layman's terms explanation? Yeah, sounds great. So you send me a Bitcoin and... Go. Slow down. No. <laughs> no, <I'm just> <laughs> but you send me a Bitcoin. Yeah. Um, and that transaction 
that the record of you sending that is recorded on a block, which is basically just a series. Like a block is just a, the record of one transaction. A blockchain is a series of that, right? So a, bl a block can contain lots of transactions, right? Okay. It's not like one block per transaction, you know, but yeah. So you, so you send me a Bitcoin, the transaction for that is recorded in a block. Yeah. And that block relates to or interacts with a series of other blocks, historical blocks that have proved. So my block, the block that my transaction goes into has a history of where where that Bitcoin, that specific Bitcoin was in previous transactions. Like, it, is, is it that? Yeah. Yeah. yeah so like, so like w when a miner like um, solves its mining puzzle, it actually gets awarded with some Bitcoin. So like okay. Bitcoin is always being created. It's kind of like inflationary sort of um, property of Bitcoin. And then, yeah, so the Bitcoin begins somewhere, either at the you know, Genesis block, the very first block, or more likely like somewhere a miner just created one. So yeah, um, so let's go yeah. with that then. So Bitcoin comes into existence from a miner. And then yeah. what's, let's go, what's the Bitcoin's journey? Yeah, and so it's that it's that one address, and then it gets transferred to another and another and another. Eventually, ends up in my wallet, and then it eventually ends up in yours, right? And so, yeah. So Bitcoin, they say, is like private, and in some sense, it is because you know there's so many addresses, and like when I pay you, I don't have to just give you a Bitcoin. I could create a new like address for myself, and then when I pay you, I could also pay myself, and so it's not necessarily clear where the Bitcoin has gone, right? Whose wallet is whose? And also, like, it's not even obvious that, like, you own this particular, like, Bitcoin address, right? So, but technically speaking, like, every transaction everywhere from the very beginning of time is on the blockchain. So it's not really that some, some, some other cryptocurrencies, like Monero or, or like Zcash, like, a lot better at, like, preserving privacy. But, like, yeah, Bitcoin, like, every transaction is public. You could, in theory, like look at every single thing on the blockchain and see exactly where a Bitcoin went, right? Obviously, so you can, and you can see big. that from wallet addresses. You can't see who it came from, but you could see it, X amount yeah. of Bitcoin came from the same wallet address. Yeah, exactly. I mean, there are there are sort of techniques to kind of. I mean, there is some research about how to like track because people use Bitcoin to buy like all sorts of stuff. Like you can buy like drugs on the dark net, something. And so there are techniques and law enforcement. Yes, yes. So I mean, like uh, yeah, law enforcement, sorry. <laughs> but there, there, there are definitely ways of like associating Bitcoin addresses to people. And so like, and like, it's kind of like, it's a lot less private than like cash, right? Because cash money is, you know, well, I mean, cash money has like um, tracking numbers on them, I suppose. But like, you can't really tell where it's been so easily. Whereas it doesn't you know, have the Bitcoin, history of who had yeah, it. Yeah, like every single, every single payment to anyone is on the blockchain. Yeah. Right. Um, but some, some other cryptocurrencies have different properties. Like there are some where it's not so clear at all. Like Monero is like, um, for example, has quite quite strong uh, anonymity properties. But yeah, Bitcoin is, yeah, essentially it's just a list of transactions. That's all, that's all a blockchain is. So the blockchain yeah. is the list of previous transactions. When you go to yeah. make that new transaction, um, what ha can, can you explain again how the hashing works? Like where that, you said there's an algorithm that it goes through, that the transaction goes through. Um, but wh where does that algorithm come from? What is that like? Yeah, so I mean, uh, so a hash, like it, it's uh, in the Bitcoin case, it's a hash called Shard256. Um, but basically the property of it is that it's just a computation, right? And you literally, 
like you just don't know what the hash of something is going to be until you just do the computation and very likely if you hash the blockchain and your guess it's going to equal something completely meaningless and like okay you move on to the next one and so these miners they hash like you know millions of times a second constantly just guessing an extra thing to add to the blockchain like their guess and if that hash ends up equaling something that begins with like you know 10 zeros or whatever then that is like a winning guess. It's like it's kind of like buying tickets to the lottery, basically. They just kind why of why is that? Why yeah, zeros... why does it win? Why the zeros and and only ten of them? And because yeah, how do so they know it's one? Because it's like hard to find. Like the whole the whole point is that a hash function is like very difficult to. You, you can't like take something beginning of a bunch of zeros, and um, and then like reverse it and find the input. You just have to keep buying lottery tickets until you guess something which equals a bunch of zeros. So the point is that it's it it it's deliberately like a difficult problem to solve and you have to just the, because of hash, how hash functions work the idea is that it's just it's just like you have to do a proof of work you have to just brute force guess it um and, and then you're guessing sorry, what that yeah. you're guessing the hash function or you're guessing the input you're you're, you're guessing the input yeah so the hash function is always the same it's sha 256 okay. and you're and you so you that so that is like an a, an equation yeah, or an algorithm just, that just remains just there, constant yeah. okay as a miner you've got what, what you think the like old blockchain is like what okay. everybody kind of agrees in you also see a bunch of transactions like me paying you or jack or whatever right you see loads of transactions and that's what you think like the next block is going to be and your view as a miner might be different to my view as a miner right because i might be based in europe you might be based in china or wherever but you've got a view of the old blockchain you've got new transactions which you think are going to be in the new block and then you also have your guess right and you're doing millions of guesses per second and if you find a guess such that when you hash it together with the old blockchain it equals a bunch of zeros and, and something else at the end, then, then you get to say, okay, yeah, my, my transactions, the ones that I've seen, that's what the next block is going to be. And so like you, you win that particular block. And also as a miner, there's an, there's an incentive to do that because you also award yourself some coins, right? Like you're allowed mm -hmm. to not, you can't make up how many coins you give yourself. There's some fixed amount. But like as a miner, there's an incentive to mine because if you win the next block, if you if your guess is the lucky guess, you, you get to you get given some coins that just appear out of thin air, basically. So miners are taking transactions, but what is it they're guessing? When you say that if they get the they're they're yeah. guessing, they're guessing what the next it's literally just like a number. They just like randomly pick numbers and they say, if I hash this random number that I picked together with the old blockchain, does that output equal a very small number beginning of a bunch of zeros so they just put like you said millions of numbers per second yeah. into yeah. this hash equation yeah. process mm -hmm. and then if that if the number that comes out of that is really close to zero like yeah. a bunch of zeros and something at the end mm -hmm. the closer it is to zero yeah. then what that is telling the miner and the ecosystem is that they just happen to guess the right yeah next transaction for that block yeah and then you get to say what the next block is and you, you can't like you make up transactions. yeah and you, you also can't make up transactions because when i pay jack it's using my digital signature so you can't just say oh luke paid me a bunch of money because there's no signature so like it's kind of two things right one is your view of the blockchain and then two is what i've actually signed as well so it's kind of like you're not really trusting right. the miner so much as anyone really it's, it's all very distributed trust but yeah that's pretty much it yeah 
all the miners are doing basically the whole mining stuff is basically to stop the double spend problem right because mm -hmm. if i pay the same bitcoin to two different people then that's not allowed unless like i have enough money right and so you need like a view of what the blockchain is mm. and miners are the ones that say this is what the blockchain looks like and the way that they agree is by doing this proof of work hashing stuff right it's kind of like they're all just voting and what they think the the view of the blockchain is but except the votes is like computational power for this like brute force guessing rather than like Mm. you know actual ip addresses like people voting because it's very easy to fake that one thing that i'm still not fully understanding is what they're guessing like yeah i mean it's literally just uh, it, it's a random number and then uh if they hash that together with a blockchain they they get to say what the next block is pretty okay. much yeah, so I think the best way, the, a really good yeah. way to explain it, it, would you, if I maybe send you my wallet address, maybe like live on air, you send me a Bitcoin, send Jack a Bitcoin, <laughs> see how it yeah. works. Let me shut down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah exactly. That's the best way of doing yeah. it. <laughs> There's these miners over the world. So they're individuals with computers that are just voluntarily doing it for the reward of a Bitcoin. Yeah, I mean, a lot of them are based in China and they have sort of like, you know, they're really, you can't really do it on your computer these days because it's way not powerful enough. They have like specialist right. hardware, which is like designed to hash things really fast. And, uh, you know, right. that's quite strange. Like the Bitcoin network, I think I read somewhere, like it, it burns more electric than, than Denmark just by hashing because it's yeah. so expensive to keep constantly hashing stuff. Um, and like another problem is that you, you need these miners to not be like, collaborating right like if one if someone's really great at mining like better than like half the network then they're the ones that basically in control of what the blockchain looks like right um mm. so you kind of need it to be distributed in the sense that like europe and you know america and china all have to be like you know not more powerful than in, than each other but i think a lot and of mining used to be based in china unless china banned it recently i'm not sure uh, yeah they maybe. did they did yeah, yeah. So how does, say I gave Mike a Bitcoin, how does a thousand people in China know that I've done it? Where does my transaction, do I tell, am I effectively telling them? Yeah, I mean, I, th I think what happens is you, you give it to, you, you, put, you, you sort of put it into the Bitcoin network and then that message gets like propagated around the world, right? Right. And eventually you, you wouldn't have to message someone in China directly. It would kind of be spread around for you. And then, yeah, right. your transaction's only valid once um, enough miners have seen it and they've all agreed that, oh, yeah, that makes sense. It's in there. And then they, you know, someone, someone who's won the mining game has uh, agreed that your transaction exists and then they've put it in there. And then the blockchain just keeps on moving forward. Right. And because of, because of the nature of it, there's no risk that a false transaction will occur because it's so spread and decentralized and... It would take a massive conspiracy, basically, to to screw you over on a transaction. Yeah, for me, for me to spend the same Bitcoin twice, it would be like you'd have to like split up the view of the world, right? Half the world would have to think blockchain looks like this, and the other half would have to think it looks like this. But because mm. they're constantly engaging in this like consensus protocol by mining, and they're always talking to each other. Like right. they're going to eventually agree on what the actual blockchain looks like. And then, yeah, one of my transactions will be valid and one of them won't be. So that's pretty and, much, yeah. Uh, but the, the Bitcoin network then, so you mentioned earlier the blockchain is essentially like a database. So in my simple traditional sort of software dev brain, there must be a server or 
somewhere that does the Bitcoin network live anywhere or is it just I mean, the thing like the it's internet? just yeah it's 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 replicated everywhere right there is no like place where it is it's anyone can download the the blockchain and everybody pretty much agrees on what the, I don't know how many blocks it is like the first a million blocks but then it's only the next few blocks which everyone's kind of talking about figuring out to, to yeah. figure out what it's going to be yeah but everyone, everyone pretty much agrees what the first like few blocks are by now and anyone can download mm -hmm. it yeah so yeah yeah interesting but as you can imagine right it's really inefficient right it's it's super long you can never delete data you always have to talk about what what it looks like like it's really the worst solution <laughs> for like most problems <laughs> so it's like it's really bizarre that there's so many blockchain companies out there using blockchains so it's it's all these trade-offs are just so that there's no central authority right because previously it'd be the bank which you went to which is the one that decides if i'm allowed to pay you or not right but because there's those distributed miners all doing this consensus protocol that basically just replaces the bank and so that's pretty much it i mean i'm, I'm being pretty negative about blockchains i feel like they have some uh applications like um i think cryptocurrency definitely does make sense that might be the only application which makes sense that i've seen right um, but you know, there are some useless uses for, for Bitcoin. Like I, I remember hearing recently that, um, like in Afghanistan, um, obviously they're not like a very <laughs> egalitarian country these days, but, um, women would usually work for money, but then the men would basically take all their money and use them as labor, right? Use their wives as labor, but because women can't open bank accounts, the men would own everything. But you could pay the women in like Bitcoin, for example, right? So like Bitcoin can be a way of like forcing democracy down to countries that wouldn't otherwise have it, right? So there are some useful applications of Bitcoin besides like drugs and like, <laughs> which is also pretty useful sometimes depending on your perspective. But like, you know what I mean? So there are, there are some interesting applications of cryptocurrency. Um, so there is that. Also, there are things like um, a lot of developers, it depends what you call a blockchain, like, um, like Git and GitHub is how people like deploy code. And that's kind of like blocks of code that has been invented way before Bitcoin was, mm -hmm. but you could call it a blockchain. <laughs> so like, you know, that that's kind of using blockchains or like there's things called like certificate transparency, which is like a Merkle tree. It's like a way of, um, it's a security thing, but like, that's kind of like blocks too. Again, that, that actually predates like a lot of this blockchain talk, but um, people could call it a blockchain because it is kind of like a chain of blocks. But uh, <laughs> so it's kind of like, I think basically the one message I want to want to give is that like people need to sort of uh, uh, calm down with these sort of blockchain, uh, the, the hype. And I think be, be very skeptical of a lot of these people trying to sell you stuff because oftentimes they have these like white papers that make it seem really complicated and they seem like really like blockchain's going to change everything and just, just trust me, it's really complicated and really technical and they try to like make it seem really amazing by saying stuff like, you know, decentralized signatures and unhackable and all this kind of stuff, but that they're, a lot of them are trying to scam you basically. And <laughs> so like, I think it, it's great that you have like a, you're asking like questions about it and uh, you know, not just believing what, you know, people are, people are trying to say. So I'm not, trying to tell you, I'm not trying to tell you anything. So I, I'm quite happy to just tell, <laughs> tell you how it works. Just Zoom stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah exactly. Great noise cancelling on Zoom. Great noise cancelling. Yeah, yeah, it's really great. Yeah. I think that's one of the reasons as well, Luke, that we want to do this show is we're we're both 
absolute dorks but not with your level of intelligence we want to learn about this stuff and like a lot of the resources that are out there it does feel like it's just people trying to sell you stuff or trying to persuade you that whatever's in their portfolio is going to be the next big thing are you invested in in any cryptocurrencies yourself uh not not currently no no uh, and why is that if you don't mind me asking uh, because I don't think it really requires any sort of, I don't think my background in cryptography is actually at all relevant to how, how which coins are going to be successful, right? I mean, you know, it, a lot of the coins use sort of the same sort of crypto. And I, I guess like you're kind of just hoping someone else buys it for more than you did. Um, mm-hmm. I don't I mean, I think some coins are more interesting than others. Like I said, I think Monero and Zcash have interesting like cryptographic properties. But that, that doesn't necessarily mean they're going to be like they're going to moon, right? <laughs> but right. If anything, they might be banned. I think it's hard to actually buy Monero in, in in America or New York. So, like you know, it's hard to say. Uh, I, I'm not sure knowledge of how blockchains work has anything to do <laughs> with how much money you can make buying and selling crypto. To be honest, that, that is interesting in itself, though. That even if you're not involved in crypto as like a trader because you have this kind of like specialist inside knowledge that's going to tell you which coin's going to pop, you are yeah. still somebody who is. I know we keep saying it, but highly intelligent doctor that knows about cryptography, blockchains, how they work. That also has studied economics. And yeah, I on guess paper, it's, it sounds like I'd be really ideal for uh, yeah. <laughs> well, so coins. that's interesting yeah. to me that even just from a perspective of yeah. like what the use case or one of the use cases I've heard for Bitcoin is as an inflation hedge, um, and that so I guess is that is that something that you buy or don't buy or have any kind of particular feelings on? Uh, I don't know. It's hard to say. I mean, my knowledge of economics probably is not so great these days. I mean, I, I know that Bitcoin kind of collapsed when the stock market collapsed in covid right whether or not it's a hedge for inflation i have, I have honestly no idea um that's the wrong guy i have no, no clue we need um, a definitive no. answer here Luke. Yeah. we need to know <laughs> am i buying or selling Luke? what's going on yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean that is fascinating to me i mean you mentioned you don't know obviously your well above average knowledge of of it all doesn't give you a kind of secret key into into knowing which coins will and won't succeed. Do you believe any of it will necessarily succeed? Like, do you think one of them will dominate yeah. in the end? Or do you think it's all a bubble and, and actually we'll look back on this decade and think, actually, that was all a bit, what are we yeah, doing? Yeah, that's, that's an interesting question. I, I really don't know. Um, I mean, it's definitely hard to tell which coin's going to pop, right? Like, you know, Dogecoin or whatever. And, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Kanye West coin or whatever. whatever a banana coin they're all popping and it doesn't, doesn't make any like logical sense um whether a bitcoin and whatnot will be around so it's hard to say i mean i think a lot of like crypto like historically has been like um people just kind of create stuff like like encryption is a good example right like end-to-end encryption um governments might not like it but people just created it right and it's just code and it's just kind of out there and if you want to have like total privacy of your messages you can kind of do it, you know, you just download a free app and you can do it. And same, same for Tor, right? Like Tor is a way of like browsing the, the internet anonymously. Nobody like gave permission for us to invent it, but we just kind of invented it. And now it has all sorts of applications, good and bad. And the technology is just kind of out there. And I feel like Bitcoin and cryptocurrency is kind of the same. Like it's just humans doing human stuff. And I doubt governments are really able to regulate it too well anyway. 
Um, as for the applications of it, I don't know. I mean, it's it's definitely interesting, like particularly like anonymous uh, digital currencies. Um, it seems very hard to to stop that now. It's just kind of happening the way it is. I don't know if it would ever replace like the dollar. That's kind of hard to imagine. I think also like Bitcoin as well. Like it's it was the first, but it's also like got a lot of there. There are other currencies which are a lot faster. Like Bitcoin has a very slow transaction speed, right? It's really not that practical to actually like buy your groceries in Bitcoin. There is things like the Lightning Network and whatnot, but really it's like it's still very slow compared to Visa because Visa is like a centralized database, right? It's way mm. faster and also like economically, like sometimes it's good to have. Um, I mean, I, don't, I really don't know what I'm talking about here, but some, sometimes it's good to have like a central bank which can actually control the money supply, right? Maybe if they make wise decisions, they can help or, you know, they can help the economy. Whereas Bitcoin, no one's really in control of it. That might be a good or bad thing, but um, yeah, it's hard to say, but I think it's probably here to stay. I just, I really can't predict if it's going to like, if we should buy or sell though, <laughs> you know? It could go down or up. I know you want a more definitive answer, but uh, I'll just be honest. I have, no, I that's fa- that is so fascinating. I thought you were going to come on and just evangelize about how yeah. how great it is, and <laughs> well, I'm, I'm really glad you haven't. Yeah. I'm really yeah. glad you haven't actually. That is yeah, that is fascinating. Well, I can't tell you anything. Maybe if I'll be back ne- next time, I'll, tr- I'll have my own coin and then I'll try to cure <laughs> that. Yeah, Luke coin. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Luke, going back onto um, the security of Bitcoin what's the or, or sorry the the nature of bitcoin being not being a company like they're not being a bitcoin inc bitcoin llc um yeah. is, is that unique as far as you know across the other coins like is bitcoin the only one where we don't know who created it there's no company there's no central organization there or is that common across other projects as well yeah i mean there are there are others which have uh so I think some coins pretend to be decentralized, but actually they are not. And they, it's kind of like hidden in the white paper and not really explained. Like a lot of these companies, for example, that have their own coins, really they own the coins. It's totally ridiculous. They have like, um, they're basically saying, buy our coin that we can make as many as we want of. Right. <laughs> like yeah. it's totally insane. But, so, but some, some, I think quite a lot of currencies like Ethereum and Monero and Dogecoin or whatever, they're, they're all decentralized as well. I don't know if they all have like anonymous authors. I think maybe, you know, the whole Satoshi Nakamoto stuff is kind of, that might be relatively unique. It doesn't really matter at the end of the day though, right? Because if, if it is truly decentralized, you can publish the code and say- It doesn't author. matter who wrote the it white paper. Really yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, exactly. It's kind of already out there doing its own thing and you don't have control of it by, by definition, so. Um, Do you have any thoughts on who Satoshi Nakamoto is, Luke? No, not not really. I know is, it you? Some is it you, Luke? Is it you? Be honest. <laughs> give, no, us a, give us an exclusive. Yeah, you know what? There was a guy a few years ago called, I think his name is Craig Wright. He claimed to be Satoshi and he went on BBC News and he had like, he, he proved absolutely nothing. Like he signed a thing with his own key and then the journalist obviously wasn't really a technical person. He goes, wow, really? You signed this thing? And it seemed, it seemed really legit. But uh, there are a lot of people who sort of pretend to be Satoshi. I have read, I mean, I don't really know too much about it. Again, it doesn't really matter, right? Because he's, uh, or, you know, they might be several people. Mm. Uh, they, they haven't actually used, I don't think they're, they're it doesn't matter because Bitcoin is, um, is out there anyway. It doesn't really matter who the owner is. But I think also he, he might be dead now anyway, or at least his key is gone because I don't think he's used any of his like old addresses for a very long time. Wow. So um, you can see, as you were saying, you can kind of see 
the whole Originals. history of the blockchain, you can see who had the yeah. original wallets and yeah. what they've done with their Bitcoin since then. Yeah, and I think the supposedly also wow. had like a like a, a key, like a public key where you could use to sign stuff, and that's not been used to sign any transactions or any messages or anything like that for a very long time. So there's, I think there was also some people looked, looked at some source code or like some old comments or something, and he, he used like language like. I think he said something was like this bloody code or whatever. So it kind of implies they might be Australian or British or something. But I mean, mm, there are theories, wow. but yeah, I guess it doesn't really matter. I mean, they obviously want to be private for some reason, probably because they were worried about being <laughs> arrested or whatnot. I don't know. Right. But I mean, like the, what, the Bitcoin white paper is actually pretty interesting because it's very readable. I mean, academic papers are very difficult to read usually, but this was like, you know, it's only like six or seven pages. Like it's very readable and actually pretty clear. And it's like quite... Uh, amazing piece of work for someone to, to do that. And it's very sort of like easily, I mean, it's maybe not so easy to explain on a, on a podcast, but like for further cryptographers and whatnot, like it's very sort of clear, unlike most academic papers. So it's really quite quite remarkable what, what he did, yeah. It might be several people though, I, don't, I really have no clue. Well, I, I tried reading the white paper and I think accessible is maybe not the word. It's readable, use. Mike. The it's re- readable. <laughs> Definitely you can read the word. The abstract. Well, compared, honestly, you should read like some other academic papers. It's like absolutely terrible. Like, right. I think he was trying to be clear for other computer scientists, right? Yeah. He didn't yeah. know that there was going to be stick a to read stick now. to Dan Brown, Mike. Stick <laughs> yeah. to Dan Brown. Yeah. Um, but one of the things I noticed when I read it was that there were a few references to we think we believe or we just we rather than I. Is that kind of typical in the scientific community? Yeah, that, that, yeah it's hard to say. I mean, like I say, it might be several people, but also I think oftentimes in academic papers you do sort of use that phrase like we okay. in this paper we do this, even though it's only one person authoring it. Right, yeah. Okay, that makes sense. We say. You know, um, and our listeners think, even though it's my mom and dad. So you know, yeah. sometimes you, <laughs> you want to look like you got that. Like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, also, well, Luke, this has been great. I, I, I guess I have a bunch more questions, but I wanted to see if there's anything in particular that you wanted to talk about, or that you think's interesting, or any takes that you have that maybe aren't out there. Um, yeah, I've got this new coin that everyone should go buy. Uh, coin. No, I, <laughs> uh, not, not really. I, I'm, honestly, I said everything I wanted to say, and I uh, really appreciate the uh, the time. And uh, yeah, I hope the I hope the podcast takes off. You know, you guys working hard and you deserve it. So, yeah. thank you very much, yeah. Luke. Oh, thanks, Luke. Awesome. Well, we would also love to have you back on it um as we learn more and again like we're hoping that we, we have a couple of other really cool interviews lined up over the next couple of months now and we're hoping that as we learn more we can bring guests back on and kind of pose new ideas or new challenges to them um so yeah hopefully we would yeah, you should definitely you should definitely get like a go on linkedin find like a blockchain evangelist or blockchain architect or someone and have me back on with them and we, can have a, we can have a great that would be tasty I love that. that. Yeah, so great, good. You know? yeah, yeah, that'd be great. Luke, thank you so much. Uh, fantastic having you. And um, yeah, we'll see you again soon. Yeah, thanks very much. Yeah, thanks so much, Luke. Um, but yeah, what a what a great interview. What a guy. Yeah. No, <laughs> I meant Luke, not you. Yeah. Uh, no, that was that was brilliant. And like I kind of said to him, completely different to how I thought that would go in terms of his views and his and his own particularly his own investment right sold all my bitcoin under the table same (laughs) same see like it uh, is interesting though like we were saying 
like background in economics, albeit not, that's not his area of expertise, but he went to London School of Economics and has a degree in economics and is at least somewhat interested in it. Masters in cryptography, PhD in cryptography, works in this space, knows all about it and doesn't have any investment there. Yeah, I mean, knows, knows clearly, as you all heard from the way we kept repeating our basic questions to him, knows, knows it by heart bottom to top of how bitcoin works and and yet and yet still harbors the the skepticism with it which is right. fascinating which is so rare i think like to someone to know that much about it but also be remain skeptical but is I think really it, rare he's really level-headed and like really modest you could see when we're calling him like doctor and really big him up he's like no yeah. no i'm not these are really simple concepts but then when he came to actually explaining them you could just tell this guy is a fucking genius um did you feel like you fully understood everything he was saying because totally. when it came to that exponent <laughs> every word every word um but when he explained like how the transaction is recorded how the blockchain works what is being hashed and what like i i will need to go back and watch that again to really Same. try and digest it and i found it hard i found it really hard it definitely developed my understanding more like some of the analogies you made like to github which i use every day right so that's code committing and you all you all combine together to code something you branch off commit your code and you will work off this master branch mm. and that history of that master branch is is enshrined in history forever and you're all kind of agreeing to what that was in a similar way so wow. that kind of made sense that analogy really helped me click with that but yeah things like the hashing and it figuring out you're all racing to figure out this hash the components of that still remain despite his very layman term explanation as you say, I'm going to have to go back and watch and read a bit more still yeah. about it. And we can go back to him and ask, because that's the thing, like Luke's such a great guy. I feel like if we sent him an email with, hey, there's this one bit that we're still not sure about, I'm sure he'll mm. help. And But yeah, it, I, I'm the same way. Like I kind of understood what he was saying, except for some of the re the really critical parts, which are like, what are these inputs? Like what is going in? What are we guessing when we're guessing the number mm. that goes into that hashing equation, what are we guessing? And the more I pushed on that, he was kind of like, well, it's just yeah. like a, you're guessing a random number. And I was able like, where... Who created that number? Who, yeah, like what, yeah, does that, that kind what does all that mean? But and yeah, he did well yeah. to he did well to dub it down for us because you yeah, can tell by the way he was speaking. It's very easy for a mind like his to, to, to grasp these concepts. Right. Whereas as, probably less so. Yeah, yeah. It's the nicest way possible to put it. Um, and the, the last thing I would say on that, I have 90% of my net worth in something that an expert just explained to me four times. I still don't fully understand it. And that's given me a bit of pause for thought. Who has 0% of his net worth? In yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Who knows all about it, exactly what it's used for. <laughs> when you look at it like that. Case and has 0% of So if you got any Bitcoin, I wouldn't go near it with a barge pole, mate. <laughs> I'm just hoping this show never takes off so that no, it doesn't have any influence on people. <laughs> can we cut him together like cassette boy? Can we, like, just like, be like, yes, I would invest I 100%. <laughs> All right, Jackie boy. Well, another great uh, episode. Yeah, um, yeah I'll really enjoyed you. it. See you next time. Yeah, thanks, Mikey. Big thanks to Luke as well. Cool. In a bit.